Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today, I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's May 18th, 2023. We're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. If you haven't joined us yet, I implore you people. That's right, implore. I-M-P-L-O-R-E you to join us at rubenreport.locals.com for the post-game show, for ad-free content, for early access, live chats, and other goodies. Uh, The theme of the show today, ladies and gentlemen, is that if you have ever drank a beer, or you know anyone who's ever drank a beer, you're gay. That's right, you're gay. You might be married to someone of the opposite sex. You may never have uh, done anything gay, so to speak, but you're pretty gay. And uh, they want you to be gay and they're going to make you gay through their advertising and their beer. It's all very weird. And it's not just uh, beers, by the way. If you've ever driven a car, you're gay. Beer, car, they say you shouldn't drink or drive. But if you've done either of these things together, separately, does not matter. You're a big homo. Uh, That's the one thing. And then, of course, we're going to show you some solutions to this uh, onslaught of insanity that is just everywhere. Uh, I should preface at the top of the show that I don't have a problem if you're gay. Not a problem. My husband's gay. Not a big deal to me. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know that every advertisement on television has to be uh, promoting the homos. So there we go. Uh, first, we will start with an ad and then get to it. Uh, guys, let's talk about Birch Gold Group. You know, President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home, quote, our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar, inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and political and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times. That's gold. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just visit birchgold.com slash Dave today to get your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the entire process. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Visit birchgold.com today uh, to get your free info kit on gold. That's birchgold.com slash Dave. And now back to me. Okay, so you've seen it. We've played a couple of these and they are just going wild everywhere. Every two seconds, there is another gay beer. There is another gay car. There is another gay this, gay that. Everything is freaking gay. Very strange. And by the way, guys, it's only the middle of May. Do you know what's coming in June? That's when everyone goes gay because it's Pride Month. So if you think it's getting gay now, you have no idea what you're in for in about 12 days. Bernie goes gay. Everybody gets gay. Biden, the whole shebang. Anyway, uh, Miller Lite, uh, you saw some of this. We played some of their their, uh, woke ad campaign yesterday. Uh, Joe Rogan had uh, Navy SEAL Jack Carr on. I've had uh, Jack Carr, author Jack Carr on the show, and they were dissecting some of Miller Lite's woke ad campaign. Thought we'd play a little bit of their analysis, and then we'll show you some videos. They don't learn. It's, no one learns. Well, it's just in general, I think. It's kind of those, those taking lessons from the past and applying them going forward as wisdom. How about lessons from I mean, a week ago? I know. <laughs> it's not even the past. It's like, it's like a couple of days ago. They're okay. going to turn it into Mulch. good. Yeah, okay. that's it. First to brew beer yeah. ever. From Mesopotamia yeah. to the Middle East. They're saying women America, brewed beer. They said they were the women first. Women were the ones doing the brewing. Centuries later, how did the industry mm. pay homage to the founding mothers of beer? They put us in bikinis. With awesome pictures like that is how. She looks hot. Yeah. I mean, look at that. Those are great ads. Those are great ads. It's time beer made it up to women. 
So today, Miller Lite is on a mission to clean up after their <laughs> sh- beer industry. Miller Lite's on a mission to make sure no one buys their stuff. Oh my goodness. And buying it back so that he can turn it into oh. for women brewers. They're Literally. scouring the internet scouring. and buying it back. Yeah. Ladies, take it away. Because that's easy to do once you get an image up there on the internet. So what is she saying? Uh, you compost to warps. Hmm. Push out beautiful fertilizer. Uh, that interesting. good helps farmers grow quality hops. Yeah. Which has oh. been donated to women brewers to make their own really good shit. But there's definitely hmm. more shit out there. In your attic, in the garage, in your parents' basement. Send any shit you got into Miller Lite, and they'll turn that into good shit, too. Oh. Oh. So here's to women. Because without us, there would be no beer. Wow. Oh, God. I, mean, I hate identity I mean, politics with a passion. I really do. It's pretty interesting. It's so oh, stupid. It's that human beings made beer, okay? And some human beings look good in bikinis. It's like, what are we doing? It's crazy. Women do it. Women do it. Women it's, do it. It's like, what, I'd like to see a pie chart of how many women are actually involved <laughs> in making beer or drinking. I also would like to see the pie chart of how many women are at home making beer. Look, the whole ad campaign is ridiculous. Rogan is right. This identity politics thing, this woke thing, I hate it with a passion and it has destroyed so much. And it's destroying these companies from the inside. We know what wokeness through gender has done to Disney, right? Watching their stock collapse, watching thousands, literally thousands, hundreds of thousands of people canceling Disney Plus, not going to the parks, uh, now in the fight with Florida and they've lost a bunch of their special regulations and tax exemptions and a whole bunch more. And now these beer companies going woke. I mean, first off, who do you think, if you're Bud Light or your Miller Light or your Coors Light or any of these freaking beers, who do you think buys your beer? Do you think it's mostly women or mostly men? It's obviously mostly men. It's mostly men who look kind of like Joe Rogan or Jack Carr. It's not mostly women who are like the chick in the ad. What's her name again? Alana Glazer or something? It's like, what are they possibly thinking? But they are, they are actually self-immolating. They're pouring gasoline on their heads and they're destroying their products. Bud Light cannot get off the shelves right now. It, it, they have completely freaking wrecked the company. And this thing about how it's somehow bad if you are messaging and trying to sell something to dudes that you might show a chick. Look, it's not my thing, but if you're a guy and you're into chicks, it's cool. It's old school, good for you, it's just great. You like chicks in bikinis and they make you wanna drink beer. Though you probably shouldn't drink that much beer because you're gonna get a beer belly and chicks in bikinis usually want a fitter dude. So there's some issues there, but that's not the point. They are destroying these companies. Check that, check this out. So this is from Molson Coors, uh, which owns Miller Lite and Coors. Uh, this is an internal ad. So this was not publicly, this, this was not put out as, a, as an advertisement to the public. This was internal messaging to their own employees that got leaked out. And look how wokeness, Man, give the devil his due, it destroys everything. At Molson Coors, we know that diversity, equity, and inclusion matter. Diversity is a good thing because everyone is unique in their experiences, points of views, and the brands they identify with. Our point of view is that our employees need to be as diverse as our consumers who are as diverse as our products. As part of our 2021 to 2023 workforce strategy, we've challenged ourselves to increase our representation of professionals of color, both in the U.S. and Canada. We're also committed to increasing the representation of women in our workplace to be reflective of market where we work and live. And we expect to achieve $1 billion of spend with diverse suppliers in the Americas. We have provided education and dedicated training to all employees to increase their awareness and understanding of how diversity, equity, and inclusion are embedded into our culture. And since 2020, we have maintained an annual $1.5 million investment in community organizations focused on social justice, equity, and empowerment. As we look forward, Molson Cores will continue to make diversity, equity, and inclusion part of everything that we do. <gasps> If you just bashed your head against your desk for the last 38 seconds, you're very similar to me. Just absolutely insane. That line, something to the effect of our employees need to be as diverse as our customers. What, think how insane that, what do you mean? 
What do you mean? If a third of your customers are black lesbians, then a third of your employees should be black lesbians. Also, do black lesbians drink Coors Light? I feel like they would. That seems that seems right to me. Um, yeah, Daphne, yeah, I got a big nod from Daphne on that one. Black lesbians love Coors Light. It's all so idiotic. If you were making a product, let's say you were making a glass to put water in, or a coaster to put that glass on, or a pen, or some chapstick, or a box of tissues, how many things do I have on this desk? Or a lens cap, well, I don't know why this is on my desk right now, someone fix that later. If you were doing any of those things, what would you do? You'd, you'd be like, all right, I've got this idea for a product and I'm gonna start a company here, so you have to fill out some paperwork. Now first, would you go to a lawyer and be like, uh, can, I get a, can I get a black, uh, partly handicapped lawyer, possibly, with a little Native American uh, in there? Can you, is that possible? And then you build out the product. Oh, I don't want these type of, it's so stupid. These people are trying to make beer. Guys generally drink beer. I don't really like beer. I find if I have even half a beer, I get bloated. I like tequila, okay? And I don't care. I assume that most of the people making my tequila are Mexican, but frankly, it doesn't matter. If you know how to make tequila and you're Asian, you could be an Asian little person making tequila. That would be fine with me too. So moronic, but it continues, people. It just continues. Anheuser-Busch is doubling down. This one is really like, wait till you hear the last line on this one. Anheuser-Busch is doubling down on their woke campaign to, to literally replace their white employees. Look at this. Right through the process to the very end. And it needs to become a part of the brand's DNA. You're still 40% women, 60% men, still predominantly white. So there's still work to be done. Having a more diverse and inclusive environment will make us our, our company future-proof. I would like to live in a world where diversity and inclusion is so ingrained in who we are, what we do, that we don't need to have a conversation about it. You can't make this up. First off, that woman says that the company's 60% white, so there's more work to be done. She's literally saying we've got to fire the white people, and they're putting that up there like it's a good thing. That's number one. The guy at the end, I want to live in a place where we have diversity, equity, inclusion. It's so part of who we are, we don't even have to talk about it. And you know, if you do talk about it, we've got a gulag for you. These people are completely insane. But now that we've proven to you that if you drink beer, you're gay, and certainly if you work at a, a beer company, you're obviously a lesbian or BIPOC or, uh, you know, you're uh, one of those things, you're a furry or something else, you're, someone's walking you around like a dog, there's a whole bunch of stuff, okay? It's not just beer, it's not just beer. Now we've got uh, your two-spirit, whatever it is. Uh, it's the cars, the cars are going gay. Okay, so Ford Motors put out this ad. This is uh, to, up. Uh, you know, we've got the gay month coming, June. It's a whole month of gayness. Uh, they're getting ahead of the game and they put this out for Pride Month already. Here you go. So first off, Connor has a truck like this. And uh, Connor, I wasn't going to tell you, but as a little, this is a little pre-birthday gift for you. We've out, your car right now is outside in the, in the parking lot being uh, detailed. Gay, we're rainbow and that whole freaking thing. And you're going to drive it around town. Very proud, you straight white freak. Um, that's one thing. Uh, the other thing, think about it this way. Let, let's say gay people are 10% of the population. Why, what is the obsession with marketing everything towards gay, trans, whatever, and the gay and trans have nothing to do with uh, each other. They're actually arch enemies, sort of like Optimus Prime and Megatron. Gays and trans should not like each other because the trans want to chop off the genitals of the gays. Let's put that aside for a second. Uh, why would you be marketing to a very niche audience? And who, what gay person is walking in when you want to buy a car? 
And, you know, okay, so you're sitting there, you're looking at two trucks. Well, which one of these trucks is gayer? Is this, what is this truck? Do you, do you have this in Rainbow? It's just, none of it makes any sense. But they keep bludgeoning us over the head with this nonsense. And for years, nobody did anything. And then came along Florida Man. Yeah, Ron DeSantis was like, I've had just about enough of your gay beer and your gay cars and your gay cartoons. And we're going to do something about it. Uh, you know what he's doing? Well, yesterday he officially signed, the, signed it. It had been a long time coming, but they're closing up the legislative session here in Florida. So he's signing a whole bunch of stuff right now. Uh, he officially signed the bill, which will ban trans surgeries on minors, which is a major, major win. And hopefully this will be exported throughout the entire country. Obviously, Cali isn't going to do it. New York's not going to do it, et cetera, et cetera. But hopefully as many states as possible, we'll see, hey, let's not chop genitals off kids. That's a winning thing. Let's go ahead and do it. Here's DeSantis. But when we do do the SB 254, uh, this will permanent outlaw the mutilation of minors. Uh, it will outlaw the surgical procedures and experimental puberty blockers for minors. It will also require any adults receiving these surgeries to be informed about the irreversible nature and about the dangers of the procedures. Uh, it will give Florida courts temporary jurisdiction to intervene and halt procedures for out-of-state children. Uh, you have actually some states in this country that want to be a haven for these types of procedures and even welcome minors without their parents' consent into some of their jurisdiction. We're obviously doing the opposite here. And I think this is this provision is important. This is going to create a way to recover damages for injury or death resulting from mutilating surgeries or these experimental puberty blockers that are given to a minor. Because what happens, they go through this, then they get older, and this is a huge problem they should be able to sue the physician uh, who hurt them. And they're now going to be able to with this law. Yeah, everything he said there, it's true. It's reality-based. We all know it's right. You should not be giving these kids these puberty blockers, kids that are having all sorts of confusions and they might have gender dysphoria or whatever it might be. Some of them will grow up, uh, let's just say, to be gay people. Some of them will grow up to be straight. Some of them have all sorts of other issues, but we don't let 12-year-olds get tattoos without parents' permission, but for some reason you're allowed to chop their boobs off. And this idea that, you know, Cal California, which is really where he was referring to, that it wants to become a sanctuary haven. So literally, if you are a 12-year-old who wants to transition and get puberty blockers and the surgeries and everything else, and your parents say no, California could potentially take you in against your parents' wishes. Well, the least Florida can do, it, it's more than pretty much anywhere else, is going to try to hang that up in the courts so that California can't just do that. I mean, it is so freaking psychotic, but isn't hearing just the truth and, and, and standing up for what is so obviously right, ain't it refreshing? Well, you know what we're also not gonna do here in Florida? We're not gonna force anyone to use any of these ridiculous pronouns. DeSantis also signed something on that front. This bill uh, makes sure that Florida students and teachers will never be forced to declare pronouns in school or be forced to use pronouns not based on biological sex. We never did this through all of human history until like, what, two weeks ago? Now this is something they're having third graders declare pronouns. Uh, we're not doing the pronoun Olympics in Florida. It's not happening here. And so. Just to be clear, guys, none of this is based in hate or bigotry or anything else. I know you know that, but when you're communicating some of this to your friends, well, that means he hates gay people, he hates trans people. No, he is defending kids and not offering endless confusion. Imagine trying, you know, we just, obviously my kids are both under one, right? So they're not communicating in English super well yet. We're working on it. We're doing pretty well, actually. Uh, but we had my, uh, two of my nephews and my niece here who are a bit older, all under 10, but like, you know, five to 10. We had them over and it's like to sit with an eight-year-old and try to confuse them about gender or pronouns or anything else. It is so absolutely insane. So all we are doing here in Florida is doing the right thing freaking thing, which for some reason in crazy times, the right thing seems rather extraordinary. But in sane times, it wouldn't 
seem extraordinary. And if we lived in sane times, none of this would be necessary. Here's a couple of the new laws that DeSantis passed or just signed on to uh, just in these last days of the legislative session. Real quick, SB 254 is uh, outlawing permanent mutilation of minors. That's the one we just talked about. Uh, HB 1069, removing pronoun politics and expanding parental rights in education. Okay, parents are gonna know what their kids are learning. HB 1438, protecting child's innocence. HB 1521, ensuring women in safety and HB 225 expanding access to youth sports. And by the way, when it comes to youth sports, we also don't let biological boys beat the crap out of girls in wrestling. I know that's very edgy and out there, but that's what we do. Uh, the point of all of this, guys, as this Florida legislative session comes to an end and as the wokeness just keeps moving, and as I said, it's going to be even nuttier in June when we have LGBT2 spirit, BIPOC, ugly. They ruined the rainbow of all the things that they did, right? They've done so much, but that they put those other colors and the triangle on the rainbow and it's like, they ruined the freaking rainbow. Skittles, they, Skittles, I can't eat Skittles anymore. But it's going to get crazier. It's going to get crazier and we have an election coming and it's time for sanity. Dare I say it's time for de-sanity. And Governor DeSantis spent the last couple days in Iowa and I think there is a message that makes sense for the future. It occurred to me that you can have the best declaration of independence in the world, you could have the best constitution in the world, but if you don't have people that are willing throughout, throughout our history to stand up, put on that uniform, risk their lives, and in many instances give that last full measure of devotion, then it isn't gonna to amount to very much. And so we are not called upon to make sacrifices of that magnitude, uh, but we're also called upon uh, to do battle in the political arena. So what I say to you as Republicans, put on the full armor of God, take your stand, stand firm for truth. We must fight the good fight, we must finish the race and we must keep the faith. I can tell you this, I am proud of what we've done in Florida. I'm thankful what Governor Reynolds and the team have done in Iowa, but I've only begun to fight. Thank you all, God bless you. It's so great to be in Iowa. Thank you so much. Thank you, God bless you all. It doesn't have to be perfectly TV ready or anything else, the truth and standing up for what you believe in. I know you get it, I know you get it. Check this out this morning, Time Magazine is uh, doing a piece on DeSantis. They made him look very, it doesn't even look like him. Like if you showed me that, it looks like a, doesn't that look like an AI version of him? He's scalping an orange there, which obviously we grow a lot of oranges here in uh, Florida. And there might be another reference to a, per, a certain orange person. Uh, but they put out this piece in Time Magazine on DeSantis. There was one particular part that my buddy, Dave Raboy, you guys know Dave Raboy, he's been on the show many times from Claremont Institute. He, he pinned this one that I thought this was interesting. Here's just one little piece of it. He wrote, uh, this is what they wrote in Time. Uh, and Dave caught it. By operationalizing the culture war into a set of concrete policies, DeSantis has transformed the nation's third most populous state. What was once the butt of jokes about gators and retirees is now the swaggering, southern-tinged free state of Florida, where men are men, woke is broke, and business is booming. 1,200 new residents arrive every day. It's in the air. It's everywhere. It's amazing says former GOP Representative uh, David Jolly, no fan of the vibe shift. It's between neighbors. It's when you go to restaurants. It's when you go to schools. You're on one side and people know it. A Florida native, Jolly is considering moving his family out of the state. Uh, what you might find hilarious about this as they're talking about GOP Representative David Jolly. So you'd be like, oh, he's a Republican. He Obviously he likes DeSantis and they put him in there because he's an MSNBC contributor. So the Republican, they got to comment on what's happening here in Florida, who says that neighbors are now against neighbors and everything else, and he's considering leaving Florida. He's an MS fucking NBC, pardon my French, contributor. It's just so blatant and ridiculous, and I'm sorry, David Jolly, go mutilate children's genitals in Cali. Go, get out, man. I've got a few bucks left in the thing here. I'll throw it for you. Good things are happening, trust me guys, like they really are. If you can sort of see through the fog and there's a lot of fog right now, 
good things really are happening. Uh, we're going to get to a Ruben Report Locals Community Q&A. Uh, if you join right now, we could probably get an extra question or two in. Uh, RubenReport.Locals.com. Let me talk to you guys about Cozy Earth, which I freaking love Cozy Earth. Uh, you know, their luxury bedding and loungewear transforms lives by offering the softest, most luxurious and responsibly sourced products in the world. Uh, they start with selecting only the best suppliers with an eye towards quality, responsible production, cutting edge technology and premium materials. After a long day of fighting for freedom and curbing Joe Biden's radical woke agenda, there's nothing more than I love than resting in my cozy earth bed sheets. And I love the shorts, the sweatpants. They're, they've got great stuff, guys. Uh, you've heard me rave about cozy earth and their incredibly soft and luxurious bedding. Well, I'm not alone. There are literally thousands of customers who have left five-star reviews on their website, like this one from Tammy. After eyeing these sheets for nearly four years, I finally pulled the trigger. Now I wish I wouldn't have deprived myself of such an incredible yet affordable luxury. OMG, don't hesitate. They are a gift from heaven. I couldn't agree more. Cozy Earth crafts luxury goods that transform your lifestyle. Their products are made from responsibly sourced viscous from bamboo. Cozy Earth offers a 100-night sleep trial. Sleep on it, wash it out, try it out. If you're not completely in love, just send it back for a full refund. Uh, be sure to check out their 10-year warranty as well. And right now, you can save up to 35% on Cozy Earth. Go to CozyEarth.com Dave. And be sure to enter my promo code Dave at checkout to save 35%, all backed by a 100-night trial. That's CozyEarth.com slash Dave. And if you live in Florida, you can still wear sweatpants because they're light and soft and smooth and nice. Okay, here we go. RubenReport.Locals.com community Q&A. Uh, Richard says, hi, Dave. You and Michael Malice both say these people are idiots. We have nothing to fear from them. I just watched the Fetterman clip and I don't fear him. I fear the rigged voting process. Don't you think that until Pennsylvania and other states institute a sane legal voting system, that all the talk of who's running in 24 is pre-2020 election thinking? Okay, so this is a great point. Now, first off, uh, the point that Malice and I have made when I always, you know, yesterday we did quite a bit of it, like this is not the best of the best. We're not up against the best of the best, whether it's Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Fetterman or Dianne Feinstein. Like this is not the best of the best. This is an old, decrepit, mentally compromised, physically compromised group of people and we can beat them and we have better ideas and all that stuff. Your point though is, okay, that may be true, but if the elections are still screwy in places like Pennsylvania, so that a guy like Fetterman can beat a guy like Dr. Oz, or if the Democrats are gonna do drop boxes, or the litany of other things that they seem to do, the early voting and mail-ins and all that, uh, no IDs in California, et cetera, then it doesn't matter whether, they're, they're, whether their candidates are good or bad. You're completely right about that. Uh, I can tell you this, I know that there is a movement in certain states, I don't know how much of this is like fully public public, but I know that there is a movement in certain states, blue states, by Republicans, to start doing the same things that Democrats are doing. Not to break the law, but if Democrats are gonna do drop boxes, if Democrats are gonna do all of these things, then Republicans will do them as well. So you're right, there is no, and this is one of the big problems that we have right now. So many of us, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, we don't have great faith in the system. Why would, why would any sane person right now have great faith that let's look at two states, for example, California, where you do not have to show an ID. Just really think about that. That is banana republic level stuff. When I voted in California for the recall for Gavin Newsom, I walked in there, I tried to show the guy my ID and he was like, no, 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 no. It turned out he knew me. He's like, Dave, don't worry about it. But it had nothing to do with that. They don't want to see your ID. All they want to know is they ask you for your name and your address, and then they look in some sort of book. So literally what I could have done the next day was go to a different polling station and said, I know my neighbor's name and I know his address. I could have walked in and pretended to be my neighbor. So there is no reason to feel that the California election system is, is um, you, shouldn't feel, you shouldn't feel any confidence in it. Not only that, but when they sent everybody mail-in ballots on that, you know, they send you this mail-in ballot, it's folded like this. And the way they did it in California, you may remember I did a video on this about a year and a half ago. When, if you folded it, there's only a certain amount of ways you can fold something like this, right? You can fold it this way, this way, whatever it is. And then you put it in the envelope. All you had to do was put it up to the light and no matter which way you could have folded it, you could see if you voted for Larry Elder or not. If you voted yes or no on the recall, then who you were voting for. So it is designed to break your confidence in the system. And then when it comes to a place like Pennsylvania, let's not forget that in the 2020 election, 
Trump was crushing it in Pennsylvania. Then around midnight, what happened? A pipe burst in Philadelphia, shut down the voting. And then everything gets weird and all of the Dropbox stuff, stuff and everything else. So I, I'm actually not sitting here saying that the election wasn't legit. I, I don't know any more than you do. But what I do know is there's enough, um, let's say there's enough questions in the, in the pool that we gotta think this thing through. And I think we have to fight the same way they would fight. Whatever the legal means are to fight for a fair election is what we have to do. I would also say, and this is certainly what they don't, they don't wanna hear this in Pennsylvania or California, there are ways to secure your elections. You do it like Florida does. You've gotta show an ID. They double check everything. It's done by paper. You put it in yourself, someone's standing there, et cetera, et cetera. Danielle says, please answer the following question in your civil rights preacher voice. <laughs> Can you tell us about a time that you discovered that the adults were fibbing to you, suggestions, Santa, Tooth Fairy, Birds and the Bees, or anything else? Okay, so I have to do this in my preacher voice, and I'll tell you a time that I was lied to by, par by uh, parents or adults or saying, okay, so preacher voice. I do declare that one time my parents lied to me was around 1994, when I came home from college, I was a freshman at the University of Binghamton in New York. And I came home and I said to my parents, because a lot of my friends over there were smoking the pot. And I said to my parents, do you, did you in your day ever smoke the marijuana? And I said it straight to their faces. And I remember them looking at each other with a gleam in the eye. And they both said to me that they had never smoked the pot. But I knew in my heart of heart that they had smoked the doobie. How was that? Pretty good? Pretty good? Pretty good. Then nine, eight. All right, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember because I had never even drank a beer in high school, never smoked pot, anything. Whole freshman year of college too, I really never did anything. And then, but a lot of my friends were smoking pot. And I remember going home and asked my friends, well, did you guys smoke pot back then? And, and I just had a feeling that they weren't fully telling me the truth. My, maybe glaucoma related, who knows. Talway says, uh, Dave, I don't know if you've seen the report of the Florida school teacher saying parents should lose their rights to, kid, to their kids when they send them to public school or the report that just came out about California wanting to restrict parental access to school campuses, but I'd love to get your take on what feels like a disturbing trend in the education sector. So I, I don't know the specific one you're talking about in Florida, but this, the general theme of that somehow these are not your kids, these are the state's kids, or that when you put your kid in a classroom, that, that teacher has more um, direct ownership over the child than you do. This is a real theme coming out of the left these days. This, it takes a village. These are not your kids. We're hearing this all the time from Kamala Harris. We used to hear it from Hillary Clinton. We're hearing it from all of these teachers. Again, I could tell you guys, and, and I, I'm just feeling this so strongly as, as a parent of an eight-month-old and a six-month-old. Like, it is my job as a parent to make sure that they get the right ideas and they are not infected with the wrong ideas and, and basically abused by state employees and God knows what. Uh, this, this, you hope that you can put them in a class. It would be nice, right, if we could all believe in public education to the point that you would get an education. I don't know, like I got, I, I went to all public schools growing up and I remember going elementary, junior, high school. We never talked about my teacher's sexuality. We never talked about our sexuality. There was health class in seventh grade. The guy put a, a condom on a banana. We all laughed, but that was pretty much the extent of it. We didn't ask him if he was wearing a dress after school. He probably was, but nobody knew, so it didn't matter. But this is the stuff they are doing. They want to basically take and mold the mind of young people into something that ultimately will destroy the family. And once you destroy the family, bottom up, what do you do? You start destroying communities. You just start destroying uh, cities, states, and the whole freaking thing. So. Fight it like we're fighting it in Florida. Mike says, do you miss California? No. Papa Hook says, if DeSantis runs, uh, should I do a little more on that? I don't. I don't miss anything about, do any of you miss anything about, do you miss anything? Phoenix, you grew up there. Do you miss anything? Nothing. Connor, you were only there for about a year. Do you miss anything? What? In and, in and out. All right. In and out burger. Yes. I do. I actually kind of miss in and out. I, I will grant you that. Daphne, you lived your whole life in the LA area. Just your family. Well, we're gonna send the plane and rescue everybody. We're sending a plane, the Florida Gator plane. We're gonna send them 
Got Daphne's whole family here. Papa Hook says, if DeSantis runs for and wins the nomination, what is his plan to get Trump's endorsement and keep him from running as a third party candidate? I had some good ideas. Look, I think at this point we can go on the assumption that DeSantis is running. I sense that it's going to happen any day now, probably like Monday or Tuesday. Let's just let's just go with that for just a moment. I, I think one of the disappointments that I've had in the last two months is, you guys know, if you watch this show with any regularity, you know, for months I've been trying to do my best not really to go after Trump, even though I, I clearly think DeSantis is the better choice at this point. I've tried to be fair about it, but I have called out the nonsense when it's come. Unfortunately, Trump has gone so in on the nonsense. DeSantis is a rhino and a global. Like, it's been so ridiculous. And it's not working, by the way. It's been so ridiculous that he's done a certain amount of damage there. Now, I would say this. You, re you really got to remember this. I know in the, in the heat of the battle and on the day-to-day -day basis politics, it's like, I could never vote for that person because he said this. At the end of the day, do you want Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Gavin Newsom as president, or do you do want Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump? So whoever wins, there, there will be some meeting. There will be some meeting and hopefully they will put those pieces together. I would say it's much more incumbent on Trump to clean that up because the DeSantis people for the most part, and I certainly include myself in this, no one's, no one's really angry at the Trump supporters or at at Trump, like I wish his behavior was a little bit better, but I get it, he is what he is. The Trump people are like seemingly, the. I'm talking about the base of the base, not the average nominal supporter. Like they're really like, you know, they, they've gone all in on that DeSantis is the most evil person around. And it's like, no, he's actually the best governor in the entire country and Florida is flourishing and that's why Trump lives here and that's why his kids live here and all of his grandkids live here and everything else. So there's a disconnect there that's gonna have to be dealt with. But I, I as nasty as politics can get, and trust me, it's barely gotten nasty so far, I hope that they'd be able to, you know, just erase it, whiteboard it, blank it out and start over. Uh, Amy says, if you could describe your recent trip in one word, what would that be? Affirming, but affirming. I think it would be affirming. It was, it was very affirming. I think it was affirming to me personally, I think philosophically, religiously, professionally. Um, it was, you know, not only, uh, well, especially the Israel part to me, um, having been there before, uh, but seeing some of the good things that were going on there and catching up with some old friends. And, you know, the thing that I'm constantly talking about on the show, about how do we take some things from the old world and still blaze a trail to the new world. That, that really seems to me what the very essence of what Israel is. Uh, so it's, it's deeply connected to what I'm trying to do on this show, I would say, but also, you know, to take the whole team there and have everybody, uh, you know, we did all the tours. And again, we're gonna put this uh, doc out probably in the next two to three weeks or so, this mini doc that we shot there with some interviews and tours and wandering around Jerusalem and, and, and a whole bunch more. But it was just very affirming of uh, that I'm kind of doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I suppose. Uh, Vinay says, hey Dave, I caught up on a few of Vivek's shows during your trip abroad. He seems very feisty and on point. Can't wait for the primary debates with him. What do you think of his messaging? Look, I, you know, I, I was the first guest on Vivek's podcast. Vivek has been on this show a couple of times. I like Vivek. I think he's, he's gone like a little overboard in some of the DeSantis attacks, but okay, let's just put that aside. I think having Vivek on stage is, is really excellent for Republicans. You know, let, if you just look at it this way, if you have Trump on stage, assuming Trump's going to do it, Trump is now saying he may not even debate, which is ridiculous, but cause that's where, that's where he shines, right? At least supposedly, if you have Trump, DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek, let's say Tim Scott, and you throw in one more. It's not Mike Pompeo said he's out, but you give me Mike Pence, let's say. You really have a wide selection of people to look at with different opinions on different things, with different resumes, but they're all clearly, they're all accomplished professional people like Vivek as a businessman, DeSantis as a governor, Trump as a former president and a businessman. Um, they all, uh, Nikki Haley as a successful governor and ambassador at the UN. Like these are people who deserve to be on a stage. Now contrast that with what the Democrats put up last time. It was such a ridiculous clown show of unqualified people. I mean, Pete Buttigieg, who was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who accomplished absolutely nothing, a tiny little town in Indiana, who then they made transportation secretary only because of his sexuality. Those were the types of people that they had up there or just a bunch of people with really bad ideas who had no real support like Kamala Harris or uh, Elizabeth Warren, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I'm glad that Vivek is involved. 
Um, I'd like to see him, you know, right now it seems like he's just the attack dog for Trump to go after DeSantis. I'd like to see him even that out a little bit, but getting him up there, you know, he's, he's right on all the woke stuff. Obviously he's right on ESG and a bunch more. And, and I think he's a good guy. So there you go. Uh, Connor says, Hey Dave, love the Ruben report locals community, love the shows. And I have a question if this, uh, it, it, oh, it's this, will you ever shave your beard off? I don't think so. As I've said before, I'm more beard than man now. I look back at my old shows. I, I just look better with the beard. Some people, they look better shaven. Some people look better with the beard. I think generally speaking, yeah, uh, I'm a beard guy now. It's, it's too late for me. As uh, Darth said to Luke, you know, there's nothing. If I take this beard off, I'll die. That's it. That's how it works. Kind of like Samson. Eric says, Dave, is it time for the lesbians and gays to break away from the rest of the alphabet mafia since they have become so militant and insane? Yeah, I mean, it's why these letters have nothing to do with each other. I have nothing to do with these trans radical lunatics. I don't have that much to do with lesbians, quite frankly, uh, but they're all right. You know, you know, whatever. It's cool. Um, these things have nothing to do with each other and your sexuality doesn't define who you should be friends with or where you should want to live or anything else, but they've somehow made your sexuality an ideology. That's what's so dangerous. You know, when you see like a, a gay flag somewhere, a flag is supposed to connotate, you know, usually flags connotate like, I don't know, a country. So you can have a, a sort of, if you see a flag of America, you have a set of ideas that that probably means that makes sense. And that's different than say the flag of Cuba or the flag of China. They have their own set of ideas that their flags represent. But what does a gay flag represent? It doesn't really represent anything other than your sexual preference, let's say, but that's not really something to be putting on a flag. It's all so insane. And I'm telling you guys, this, this trans thing, it's, there is no, the trans movement is far more anti-gay than the Christian right. They will pin the Christian right. They're the bigots. The Christian right is not trying to chop the genitals off gay people. It's the trans people are trying to do it. That seems worse. Okay. Okay. Jeffrey says, what tourist attractions did you visit in Budapest? Did you like the food? I saw you visited the House of Parliament, but I wonder what else you've seen. You know, our trip there was so packed with so many interviews, we didn't do much touristy stuff. We, we wandered around the Danube River and we walked in, we went to Parliament. Uh, we had uh, lunch at Jamie Oliver's restaurant, which I assume is one of <laughs> Budapest's finest uh, locales. Uh, I, ate, I had dinner with Jordan Peterson at actually a great restaurant. It was called Felix, which was on the other side of the river from Parliament. Uh, really, really nice. And what, why don't we tell the people what hotel we stayed at? Because it was really cool. What was the hotel? The Clark Hotel. Really kind of funky, cool, like modern, but goth and just a lot of textures in the hotel. It was really cool. Uh, what else did we do there? Man, it's been, what a blur these last couple of weeks have been. What else? Yeah, we did. I mean, that was the main thing. It was Parliament. It was talking to people, the show with Jordan. What's that? Yeah, yeah we walked through some castles and a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, it, it was very cool. I wish we would have had more time there and we'll definitely go back. Uh, Joe says the Durham report was finally released and exposed the malfeasance of the FBI in regards to Russiagate. In your opinion, what's worse? The fact that the powers that be spent years lying to the American public or the fact that there are still people out there that believe the BS, even though the lies have been exposed. Look, the lying, we cover it all the time, right? I could spend the rest of my life just playing clips of MSNBC and CNN and everybody else lying about Russia. I could play clips of Adam Schiff and I could play clips of all of the people, right? Hillary lying about, you know, Donald Trump's an illegitimate president. We could do that all day long. Um, the problem, I guess, really, is that they released this Durham report and it's not gonna really change anything. A bunch of us that, that, knew, that either knew it was kind of nonsense or, or just weren't fully swallowing it, whatever you wanna say, um, sure, it, it strengthens our belief that we were kind of right about this. But do you think that the average viewer of The View, even if they were to cover this, or the average reader of the New York Times, do you think they'll change their opinion? Do you think they'll go back and be like, boy, you know, for these last six years, I've been running around screaming that Donald Trump was a Russian asset and he was working with the Russians to steal an election. And actually it does turn out not to be true. And I might have to rethink a whole bunch of things if I got that wrong. And that's what the problem is. But this is why I also think the truth will set you free. You must fight for the truth because if you fight for the truth, a certain amount of people will wake up. A whole bunch won't, and that will always be disappointing. And there will be people in your personal life who you will want to wake up and you will try to wake up and you will not be able to wake up. 
but you may as well try. And, and I hope that more and more people as mainstream media collapses, um, will turn to, to independent outlets like this. I mean, we know this is happening. It's literally happening in real time, uh, and, and find out something a little bit closer to the truth. I think it's as simple as that. Rich says, when can we expect having an option to download content for offline listening? That's the only reason I still have uh, YouTube on my phone. Excuse me, Spotify and even Fox Nation have this as an option. Maybe something to build within Rumble and lo Locals. Yes, we're, we're on it. We're working on it. Trust me, we're working on a whole bunch of stuff. We just got our main uh, programmer out of Ukraine. He's now here in Miami working at the Locals office. Uh, and we are working on a whole bunch of things. But yeah. The offline download is one of those things. Uh, also, I mentioned on the show the other day that Rumble announced on Tuesday that we have acquired uh, the Call-In app. Call-In is a really cool technology that I've wanted to use forever, but I, I didn't want, you know, I send people to Rumble and, and Locals, obviously. I didn't want to send people to another app. Uh, but we are going to incorporate the Call-In features into Locals. And basically, I'll be able to do live live like old school radio call-in shows like AM radio, and it'll be for paid subscribers. So it's not gonna be all the trolls just calling me and having to deal with that nonsense. But you, so you pay a couple bucks and we'll start doing live radio shows like that. I think it's an absolutely awesome feature. So we're building out a whole bunch more. Just patience, guys. I know everyone wants everything immediately and I get it. And I think before I was in the tech game, I was probably like, why can't you do this tomorrow? These things take a little time. We're also, you know, we're trying to build everything ourselves because we don't want to be reliant on everybody else. We don't want to be reliant certainly on Amazon or the big boys. So we have to build this stuff ourselves. That So it does take a little time. Uh, Kerry says, you know how Biden and company abandoned zillions of dollars worth of weaponry when they pulled out of Afghanistan? Could it be that this was done deliberately so that the military industrial complex, in order to replace what was lost, be called upon to supply gazillions more dollars worth of military equipment? I like zillions and gazillions. Um, I think there could be some legitimacy to that. Absolutely. I mean, when you see now those pictures or videos of all of the stuff that we left there, the, the helicopters, the tanks, the Humvees, all of it. It's like that does have to be replaced at some point. So does this become just the sort of endless sort of feeding of the machine? Oh, we lost all that stuff. We better replace it with other stuff. Because you know, the way the government operates, the budgets always go up. If the military, let's say any, any department is given a million bucks for a calendar year, if they don't spend that million bucks, their budget goes down. So they always overspend so that their budget goes up. No one could run a business like this, but I guess it's pretty good when you've got the printing press. David says, what was your favorite part about your trip to Israel? Um, you know, I have to say, I, I really love Jerusalem. I, I knew that I was gonna love Tel Aviv and I've been there a few times. Tel Aviv is, is sort of the, it's like the fun and the heart of the country in a certain sense of like music and food and everyone, every restaurant is open till 4 a.m. and everything's packed everywhere and it's young and there's just like, cause that's, they, the country's so small that that's where all of, you know, the people in their twenties and thirties, forties, that's where they all congregate. And it's just like a nonstop endless party and beautiful people and all that stuff. Jerusalem, which I've been to several times over the years, but I never spent like five straight days there. And being in Jerusalem and walking around and seeing the mix, I mean, we, we posted a couple pictures of it, the mix of Orthodox Jews and religious Muslim women side by side at the same shops and everything else. It is simply not what the media would show you. It's not what our evil communist liars like Rashida Tlaib who tell you this place is about apartheid would ever dare show you. Um, there's so much more coexistence there. Uh, going, I think really probably my favorite thing there was going to the, uh, the main market in Jerusalem uh, uh, Friday afternoon before Shabbat. So this is where all the people are at the market and they've got everything you can think of there. They got fish, they got meat, they got booze, they got breads, they, everything, spices, all this kind of stuff. Um, and just, there's such an energy in there. It's just, it's wild. Like you really, I can't really explain it. I, we did take some video in there. So we'll, we'll show you some video. And I did buy some, I bought some, uh, some teas, uh, which I've been actually, this is a little, maybe I've said too much related to Dave Rubin's tequila that I'm working on, but I've been taking some of these little tea leaves and little pomegranate things. And I've been, uh, soaking some tequila in them and I'm working on a little something. So stay tuned on that. Uh, Megan says, have you read uh, Rod Dreher's book, Live Not By Lies? I do feel like we are in a life or death game of chess. The stakes are very high if we lose. 
Total Transparency, I have not read it yet, but we do have it here. And I did interview Rod in Budapest. Look at that right there. I mean, that view ain't bad. That's Parliament right behind us. And Rod's hair should get some sort of award. He says he has not found the proper barber yet in Budapest. So he goes back to America. He lives part-time in Hungary, part-time in America. Uh, but he's a great thinker uh, and, and he's fighting for truth. And he's, he really loves, it was very obvious to me and you'll see the interview. We'll put the whole thing up. Do we know when we're putting that up yet? We're not sure yet, right? Yeah, we're, we're figuring that out. We're still plotting out a few things from the trip. Um, but like, he just loves what Hungary is fighting for, that they're saying, hey, we're a country here. We have an identity. We have a culture. We don't want it overrun with immigrants. We want to defend our borders. We don't want people in Brussels to make decisions for us and, and a whole bunch more. It's so clean and clear and obvious. And that was one of my main takeaways from the trip, whether it was in Hungary or in Israel, like countries have the right. I mean, this is what uh, national conservatism is all about, that you have a right. It's the whole point of nation states. Like if you live in a country, the country can set the agenda. And once the country exports that agenda to people in Brussels or to globalists or the WEF or whatever it might be, you're, you're not really a country anymore. Yeah, you, you live in a geographic area with a bunch of people, uh, but there's no purpose for your nation. And I think if we can get back to that, it will help. And you know, the beauty of America is we're doing it in the federal style first, right? The federalist style. We're doing it at the state level and then we can build out that national project. I think it emanates here first from Florida and then goes out that way. And uh, I think we can save America. I really do. Guys, we've got a post-game show coming up in just moments at rubenreport.locals.com. We leave you, I apologize in advance, with Adam Schiff. And I'll see everybody else in a couple seconds. Possible for the evacuations to finish up before August 31st? Uh, I think it's possible, but I think it's uh, very unlikely. Um, given the number of Americans who still need to be evacuated, the number of uh, SIVs, the number of others uh, who are uh, members of the, the Afghan press, uh, civil society leaders, women leaders, um, it's hard for me to imagine all of that can be accomplished between now and the end of the month. tuning into the Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.